You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. You know, right now the money is is flowing pretty freely into the sector. And, and I think even if you think you might have missed the run up from mid from mid March to now, you haven't you haven't missed the run up because it, it's probably just getting started and it's going to last. I mean, I don't I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm expecting at least 12 to 24 months of, of a good move here. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers, your host. I'm back with Dave Kranzler of InvestmentResearchDynamics.com for today's episode. Dave, if you're not already aware, is the editor of the Mining Stock Journal and the co-producer of the Mining Stock Daily Podcast. Dave has an excellent subscription service in which he profiles investment ideas in the junior mining stock sector. So if you're looking for guidance and investing ideas, I encourage you to go over to investmentresearchdynamics.com to check out that service. Dave, welcome back onto the show. And things seem to be pretty chaotic in both the markets and the world. So as mining speculators, as we see what's going on and how the mining sector has been affected by the COVID-19 crisis worldwide, are there any key risks that mining speculators should be aware of at the time being? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me back on, Bill. It's, it's always a pleasure. Your, your show is awesome and you do a great job educating people and exposing people to the junior exploration sector. I mean, in terms of risks, I mean, there's always there's always going to be just general market risk and and general market volatility, especially in this sector, because of, you know, what 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 is now widely acknowledged as official (laughs) official attempts to intervene in, in the price discovery process for gold and silver. You know the, the the primary reason being it is as a mechanism to to support the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency and as a fiat currency. So you, you're going to have you're going to have general market risk. Um, I guess in that regard, when you're looking at the sector, you, you need to decide if you think the price of gold and silver are going to move higher from here over you know a long, longer term. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about the next 12 to 18 months, and it's it's my opinion that that we're in a in a uh, longer term bear move. Here. I mean, bull move here, maybe s- similar to 2008, 2011, and it, I mean it could be longer. And I, I think when you evaluate what's going on in terms of fiat currency depreciation and devaluation from all the money printing, especially f- from the Fed. Um, I think that removes a big portion of of the of of the downside risk to the sector. So, um, but you know, at, at the base level, the price of gold and silver is what's going to drive the price of the mining shares. Um, in, in terms of, so that would just be kind of general market risk, I guess, with juniors, and to some extent applies to senior producers. Um, there's always going to be jurisdictional slash political risk. Uh, I gave a presentation a few weeks ago um, before a, a, a webinar uh, for pure gold mining, and I, I was, you know, I talked about, you know, my experience with political risk. I mean, early in my tenure as in, in, in researching and investing in this sector, um, I kind of I was dismissive somewhat of political risk. And, you know, I 
just in the last couple of years, I've gotten burned on some situations. And interestingly, it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily you know the the sovereign government that that caused the problems. It was local jurisdictional risk, and that's that's one thing you got to really be aware of, especially um, if you're. I mean, you got to be aware of it in every country. I mean, even the United States. I mean, different states have different um, philosophies with regard to to uh, mining activities. Um, but in, in a, a lot of countries, the, the local jurisdiction can can halt a project for any number of reasons. And I, I've had that happen to, to some of the names that I've had in the Mining Stock Journal and some of the names I've invested in over the last three or four years. And, um, you know, that can be a real zinger. You know, the, uh, probably the, the uh, poster child example is, is the Tahoe resources Escobar project in Guatemala. I mean, at the, you know, for a while it was one of the largest silver producing mines in the world. And you say to yourself, well, Guatemala is not going to do anything to upset this because it's, you know, it, it contributes to the GDP and provides a lot of jobs. Well, the local jurisdiction court system uh, effectively had it shut down and it's still shut down. And, and I think that process started like three years ago and, and so, you know, and it's, it's still shut down. So, um, that for me, that's what you got to be aware of. And, um, in that regard, I, um, I, I don't look at a lot of like Australia is very friendly. I mean, mining's a, a key part of their economy. Uh, unfortunately, um, a lot of the companies there that, um, would be interesting to invest in don't necessarily have TSX or us, um, share listings. So, um, I mean, I have, companies that I that I follow or invest in that have projects in Australia um, but they're based here and they've got you know at least OTC bulletin board listings and TSX listings so um, I mean I've I'll look at a project anywhere in the world if I think that the that the potential upside return outweighs the risk but I, I, I tend to right now anyway I'm confining most of my ideas to North America so Mexico uh, the US and Canada and um, in fact, I've got a situation, a company I've been invested in for a long time, and I, I know the, the management very well, um, uh, Almaden, Almaden uh, Minerals, and they've got a project in Mexico that's, that's basically shovel ready, but uh, a local court issued um, a, some type of ruling that, that is basically um, held up the process for this company to get its final environmental permits. And I think it's gonna be fixed eventually. But I mean, you know, again, that sort of came from left field, and that and Mexico is traditionally an extremely mining-friendly jurisdiction. Now that situation, I mean, I've, I've added to our shares in in Almadex Minerals. Um, you know, whenever it, it gets hit by quite a bit, I mean, it traded briefly under thirty cents not too long ago. Um, but that won't that doesn't stop me from looking at projects in Mexico. I think in general, Mexico is a very friendly place. Um, and then you know, just in you know, Nevada and Oregon and Idaho, I mean, there's a lot of undervalued opportunities there. So, and, and also in Canada. So, you know, between those three jurisdictions, there's, there's plenty of opportunities without having to um, climb too far out on the limb of, of jurisdictional risk. So, and, and um, you know, depending, you know, as the market kind of ebbs and flows and, it, and it's volatile. There's there's periods where junior explorers have trouble raising cash. We're not in one of those periods right now, 
I mean, I've seen some companies that I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole <laughs> have been able to raise money in the last eight weeks. So, um, you know, right now the money is is flowing pretty freely into the sector. And, and I think, I think um, you know, e even if you think you might have missed the run-up from mid from mid March to now, you haven't you haven't missed the run-up because it, it's probably just getting started and is going to last. I mean, I don't I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm expecting at least twelve to twenty four months of of a good move here in this leg up or to the final peak. Um, well, that's a good question. I, let's just say I think we're going higher for at least the next twelve to twenty four months. And obviously, things change, you know, and you got to be flexible. But, um, you know, if, if we're still moving higher in two years, we'll have to revisit what, what the outlook looks like from there, because a lot of it will depend on on how much higher these things move between now and, say, the next two years. But if you want to look at just the GDX or the Huey index as a, as a general measure of the mining stock sector, I mean, the mining stocks are essentially as cheap as they were in in uh, 2000 and early 2001. How do you use stop losses, Dave? Not so much in the major miners that are more liquid, but in the more illiquid or semi-liquid uh, juniors, where a junior, let's say it'll, it trades $50,000 to $200,000 in a day, even at, at this stage of the bull market, how do you approach using the stop loss? Because you could get one seller that wants to unload a $100,000 position and he or she could drop the price 25% and might hit your stop loss and then that could cause a further cascade. Uh, what's your thoughts here? So that's a really good question. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't use stop losses on junior positions for what the reason that you just said. Because especially an illiquid one, um, you know, one one buyer or one seller can can move the stock a considerable amount. You know some of these some of these juniors. I have one now. I'm trying to I'm trying to um, buy some shares with a limit order right now, <laughs> and I probably you know this thing probably you know it, it doesn't trade very many shares per day. So um, if if you're if you're buying these less liquid junior exploration stocks. I think you got to look at it as okay. I'm getting in at ten cents, or I'm getting in at twenty cents, and there's a chance I could lose it all. Right? It could go to zero if the prob if their project turns out to be a duster. Um, but on the other hand, it could go to two dollars if if it works out or higher. So I, I think you just gotta with with the junior stocks, you need to um, kind of weigh the you know what, what I I kind of call the upside downside. Uh, risk factor, which would be okay. This is a ten cent stock; it could go to zero or it could go to two dollars. So I got a, you know, a twenty twenty to one potential payoff there, right? Um, and, and I mean, because you know, if you put a you buy a stock at ten cents, you put a stop loss in at eight, you can get stopped out on just one seller trying to sell ten thousand shares, and then the stock bounces right back, and you're out of the stock. So. Um, with, with the more liquid ones, I think, you know, if you got ones that are, you know, that trade multiples in terms of share volume that you have in your position, well, then sure, you can, you can, um, you know, you, you definitely want to follow, follow it higher with, with a stop loss on at least half of your position, right? Because, you know, if the stock doubles and it keeps moving a little bit higher, but you put a 
a stop loss in where you were at the price where it reached your double for half your position, you know, and the stock sells off for whatever reason, and and you get stopped out on half your position, you have the rest of your position for free, right? So that and and I actually so like I also for me I have sort of um, mental targets. If I, if I'm sitting on a <laughs> If I'm sitting on a stock that all of a sudden I'm looking at it and it's going up for no apparent news reason other than maybe a newsletter writer mentioned it and it's shooting higher. Um, and, you know, it's it's at a point where it's two or three times my cost. I'll take I'll sell a third of the position. And I I did that the week before last with a stock. I'll, I'll mention it later. Um, <laughs> and and I was only able to reload part of the position I sold at a at a slightly lower position than where I sold a third of the position, and so my I don't have this. It's in the stock's higher now. It's it's probably almost twenty percent higher than than where it was when I sold it. So, um, uh, I, you know, I guess just to circle back, I I'm not a big fan of stop losses with juniors unless unless it's a really liquid issue, um, and then. You know the senior. If you're if you're invested in something like Agnico or or Newmont or whatever, and um, you know you you, you probably want to follow that higher with a stop loss. And if you want to try and take advantage of of market volatility, and you're and you know that you're you'll be in front of your screen if you get stopped out, and you can reload it. But I mean, at this point where we are in the sector, I would just say you know. Put put cash to work in the names that you think that you like and you think are going to move a lot higher, and and let it ride. You know there, we're in a bull market here, and there's no reason to to mess around trying to get cute trading this stuff. Um, and, and but save plenty of cash for those days when there's downside volatility and your stock gets hit pretty hard on for no reason other than just market volatility, and then you add to your position. As this resource bull market continues to ramp up and the gold stock sector continues to draw more attention, there's going to be more IPOs, initial public offerings, or RTOs, reverse takeovers, where um, a group takes over a shell in order to go public. When you're looking at this, there could be good management teams with good projects that have some viability to create shareholder value, but there's also going to be a lot of scamsters or people that don't have shareholders' best interests in mind doing this. So what are you looking out for, both on the positive front and also red flags? So when I'm evaluating a junior exploration project, I kind of have a, I don't know, a five or six, um, five or six criterion that I like to look at. And I mean, the, the stock doesn't have to meet all five or six. Um, it certainly has to, for me, it has to pass the smell test on at least three or four of them. Um, but, um, you know, the, the first thing I look at is who's involved. What's what's management, right? Who, who is management? What's their track record? And then I, then I want to look at um, what I call the DNA of their property, right? Where's the property located? Um, is it in an area where there's current mines that are operating, right? Because you're always going to have metallurgy risk, and if 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 they're if if they're exploring in a property that has geology that's similar to mines that are already in operation, it, it's probably going to have amenable metallurgy, um, and. Uh, I also want to see that management has a meaningful amount of skin in the game. You know, ideally, insiders own 20 to 30 percent, but that's 
for that, that, you know, in that situation, that's not a, that, that's not a, uh, a game stopper. If, if they don't, I have plenty of, of stocks that I've invested in or that I've recommended in, in the mining stock journal where management owns less than 5%. Um, but there's other, the other factors might outweigh that, you know, it's in a, it's in a great jurisdiction. They've got, ideally I want to see, um, assay results and drill results to see if, if, the property, in fact, does at least have mineralization, you know, and where, you know, is the source of mineralization similar to um, the source that mineralize the mines that are in operation, that type of thing. Um, and then, you know, as we mentioned er earlier, I want to look at the actual jurisdiction. I mean, one place that I won't invest in is California. And I've been told by people who have tried to develop properties there that, um, the environmental opposition to mining makes it very hard to get a to get a, um, a mine permitted there. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't happen, and that doesn't mean there's not a lot of great projects in California. But just across the border in Nevada, there's a lot of great projects, and Nevada, you know, does what it can to encourage mining activity. So, um, and that's not to say there aren't environmental risks in in Nevada. Also, there's there's always things that can. Um, slow down the progress of the development of a mine that that has potential to advance to advance to construction, um, and and so that that's kind of what I look like look at and you know if if it if it passes the smell test on on most of those points, um, I I, oh, I also want to say that you know I I also want to see at least a year's worth of exploration cash on the balance sheet. Now that that doesn't that's not always the case. So then it would depend on, you know, the financing environment we're in. So right now, if a junior doesn't have a year's worth of, ex of exploration cash on its balance sheet, I'm okay with that because it's probably going to be able to raise money in order to, to fund exploration. Yeah, and on these companies that are going public, at least two things that I want to see from management is uh, their own money invested, or if not their own money, at least some significant sweat equity. And then I also want to see them hold their cheap founder shares, which are going to be a fraction of what hopefully their IPO price is, hold those for multi-year holds so that they can't pay a promoter in the first year to ramp up the stock and then they're able to unload their shares for multiples of their initial investment without creating value, value shareholder value for everybody that's invested in the company. And that brings up another point also. Um, you know, a lot of times these juniors will have a strategic investor in the background, whether it's it's a, a large company that optioned the project off to the junior and retained, um, you know, an, an equity interest in the project or, or, um, optioned it off in exchange for shares, um, from the company, that type of thing. Cause that, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, that strategic investor might end up being the exit strategy, right? No, that's, that's a great point. Dave, are you able to share any picks? I know you give them out to your subscribers first, but, uh, your subscribe, any, any picks that you can share that you've already given to your subscribers? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I I've got a couple, I mean, in general, um, uh, you know, I like to, I like to um, protect my subscribers and not, not share ideas in in the general public, you know, um, to people who aren't subscribers. But there's there's certainly names that I've um, covered and researched and that you know either I invest in personally or we have my fund invested in, um, and I've been covering for a long time, and. Um, you know, I, I don't think my subscribers would mind if I toss some of those names out. Um, I, I would say that 
the stock that I mentioned earlier that, I mean, it, it, it zoomed higher a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I mean, and there was news in the background, but, but, you know, six months ago, the type of news that's been released wouldn't have, wouldn't have moved the needle on the stock. Um, and that's uh, Eli Gold Royalties. And that's actually been my best performing stock year to date. Um, I picked up coverage of it, started investing in it, I believe, in uh, last October 2019. Um, around, I don't know, it was around 30 or 40 cents. Um, and just recently, it ran from, I think it was down as low as 34 cents when we had that sell-off in March. And it ran up over a buck last two, a week and a half ago. And I was trying to find news and I'm like, geez, you know, on the shares we bought in March, we've got a triple on them. And I, you know, so I, I sold a third of the position thinking that I'll get a pullback and I'll reload them. Well, um, as it turned out the next day, the stock, you know, this I sold them at 106. As it turns out the next day, the stock dropped briefly to 95 cents and I was able to snare some shares there, but it very quickly popped back over a buck. So I held off and, um, then last week it, it was you know it was kind of trading in the low dollar handle territory so i added some more shares and i'm st still not haven't reloaded everything that i had sold at a dollar six well uh today the stock's at a dollar 30 up 13 cents so and and i think a, a big part of what is moving that stock is they've got a they've got a a, a royalty at I think it's a 2% royalty on um, Wallbridge's Fenelon property. And that that property right there is starting to look like a, a company maker property. And um, I, in fact, I just updated uh, Wallbridge from a fundamental standpoint in my last mining stock journal. And um, the the merger with uh, Balmeral um, closed last week. And they think that one of their target zones that has extremely high grade gold mineralization extends onto bomb the property that they um, gained with through the merger. So, um, I mean, this, this thing has tremendous upside. Um, the, the property itself, Walbridge stock, and also um, the royalty that Eli has in and of itself could be a, a company maker. I mean, Franco Nevada um, had one royalty that originally made that company. So, um, and they've got some other really interesting um, um, current pay and soon to be current pay and future pay royalties on some some highly, highly prospective properties, just like in Nevada. I'm still kicking myself for selling selling shares at 106 because now I have a slightly smaller position and the stock's 24 cents higher, you know, 20 percent higher than where it was when I sold. Do you think that this company gets bought out eventually, Dave? You think that's the exit strategy? That's a really good question too. I, you know, because um, the I've space is getting so competitive that these big guys are gonna just have to look to consolidate a little because there's only so many royalties out there. I, I, I need to sharpen my pencil on the ownership structure of it. Um, Eric Sprott has a has a pretty big position in Eli. Um, I, I've chatted about that in the past with with the CEO Trey Wasser and. Um, I think he wants to hold on to this thing until it, it achieves what he sees as the potential value for this thing. And that, you know, I think you got to wait till at least see what, you know, what the Fenelon royalty means for this company, because, you know, 
Obviously, if they get a, a takeover offer tomorrow and it's significantly above the current share price, they have to take it to the shareholders. And, you know, if the shareholders um, vote in favor of the takeover, the insiders don't have a choice, right? Um, but, you know, this thing could be worth four or five times where it's trading right now. And I, re it, I know, remember when it was seven cents, Dave. <laughs> I, yeah, I do too. And I, I, I was like, I took a quick look at it back then and I, I passed on it. You know, fortunately, I, I reopened my mind on it when it was still, you know, around 30 cents. So, um, and that's actually another risk that you have with these juniors. And that is you could, you could own a junior stock, you know, say at 50 cents and you're convinced and you've, and management's convinced the stock's worth five bucks. All right. Someone comes. And, and offers to take it over for a buck and and um, you, you know you have to take that offer to the shareholders and, and you could end up selling out to this company now you could if it's a share for share um, you can hold on to the shares in the in the acquiring company but they're not going to perform the way that the company that you have that's being acquired might have performed you know what I mean? On a standalone basis. So what happens is, is it, you know, you can have a lot of potential upside removed from the, from, from takeover risk. I think usually when the bigger guy swallows up the little guy too, it ha the, the upside risk that you're left with, if you get the bigger guy shares is what part of the cycle are we in? Because I've seen it where Agnico Eagle or another one will buy a smaller company and then the, you know, they double from there because of just where we're at in the gold cycle. Sure. And um, I like what Great Bear has done to um, to to somewhat mitigate the the um, the loss of upside potential from takeover. And that is for existing shareholders. Um, and you, and I covered this extensively in my mining stock journal. I, I um, finally warmed up to Great Bear when it was at three twenty three dollars and twenty five cents. And um, that was last summer. And now it's. Um, trading today at 842 but they also they spun out a um, what the, what's called um, great great bear royalties and it's a two percent royalty on on um, great bears Dixie project so essentially what they did it's it almost functions like a poison pill um, you know to uh, for, for insiders but existing shareholders got distributed shares in Great Bear Royalty, and it doesn't trade publicly yet, but if the Dixie Project is what we think it could be, the royalty shares alone could be worth, you know, uh, I don't know, three, four, or five bucks, you know, maybe more, who knows? So, um, you know, if, if you missed out on that opportunity, um, you're going to have to wait until the company eventually lists the stock in order to buy into it. But it, you know, that that royalty, the shares in that in Great Bear Royalty have preserved some of the upside of of the Dixie project for insiders and shareholders. And insiders own a boatload of of Great Bear. In the event that there's a takeover, that they have to take to the shareholders, and it gets approved. And I think they've done a, a great job at maximizing the potential of the project and then monetizing the potential and communicating that to the market because they're not going after a resource. They're going after high grade hits to show the potential 
of the mineralization. And then again, with the spin out, the potential of future, future income from what we're doing here. And I think that the share price has responded accordingly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this could be a monster project. Uh, you know, on the other hand, you never know. I mean, it, it could, it may not pan out. I mean, there's always that risk, but it, it, it certainly looks looks and smells and feels like it, it this could be a blockbuster property eventually but are there any other potential companies you'd like to talk about uh, i'll tell you what uh this is a company that I've, I've covered for a while i've had table pounding buys on it um in in several recent issues of mining stock journal uh we we own it in my fund and it's a company called Millrock resources and they've got they've got a um project in Alaska that is adjacent to Northern Stars Pogo Mine. And it's an extraordinarily high-grade resource at at Pogo. And and these guys have, Millrock has land essentially surrounding it, (laughs) surrounding the Pogo um, project. And they're, they're just now in the process of um, starting to, to drill out some of their most prospective drill targets. And they've partnered with a company called Resolution, I think it's Resolution Resources. It's an Australian-based company. It's got a billion shares outstanding. I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't know that I, I would necessarily buy. Um, a billion standard for Aussies though. No, I know. And that's another reason why I don't necessarily invest in Aussie companies. Um, but, um, and, and, and Resolution, is they've got the deal they have with resolution is resolution has to fund, you know, 5 million a year of exploration over the next few years. And when I looked at it, I was like, how are they, you know, their stock was trading at drill bits and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, how are they, how are they going to raise $5 million? Well, they've already raised, I think three or 4 million of what they need for this year's commitment. Um, and I mean, the stock trades at 13 cents us. And, um, what, what got me on it was, um, uh, EMX royalties has invested in it and has royalties on a lot of the, the properties that Millrock controls surrounding the Pogo project and in that area in general. And um, they've, they've thrown hard cash into Millrock. And, and I've no, I know um, EMX going back to 2008 and I know the CEO and um, it, tr- you know, trying to get cash out of him. And this is a positive. I'm not saying this in a negative sense. It's like trying to squeeze blood from a rock. He's 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 like very spendthrift when it comes to throwing around money, which is which is great in my opinion. Um, and they, I think they threw a million in cash into Millrock, and there's a reason why they did that. And and I just you know, the the current drill program, um, and I, I can't remember if it's the drills are turning now or if it's, they're going to start in June. But you know, if there happens to be a discovery made, this this stock could easily go up. 300 or 400 percent and again i want to issue a caveat there it doesn't mean they will make a discovery it it could take them several iterations before they make a discovery but this is one that has it's one of those ones where i look at it and i say okay well they the downside isn't zero because they've got a lot of you know prospective projects that they're involved in um but if this one if they make a discovery on this one, the upside on this stock is five to ten times, at least. And that's from for a project generator, which would be good. 
Yes. Because you don't yeah. always get that. If if one project hits, you're not going to necessarily see a five to ten bagger. Oh no, this one they will. This one they will. I I can't remember the. I have to look at um look at my notes again, and I can't remember what what percentage of this they have, but it's it's a big percentage of the property. In a good jurisdiction, um, Alaska. Good jurisdiction, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing those picks, Dave. If you want more of Dave's picks before the general public hears it on a show like this, go over to investmentresearchdynamics.com for information about the Mining Stock Journal. Dave, as always, I appreciate your insights and thanks for coming on today's show. Thanks again for having me on, Bill. I, I enjoyed it as usual. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000 and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.